Welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Big Vicious Fatter Brother, John. Here for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> you got to keep coming up with new ones. I got to come. I mean, what do we got? I got uh, the Shockmasters uh, mentor. Let's see. Uh, uh, I'm the man who convinced uh, Paul Heyman to invest in Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> No, no, that one's not good. <laughs> I was about to say, but we'll come up with more. Yeah, we'll go. come up with more over time. But yeah, no, yeah. I just, uh, I don't like saying I, I'm John. My name's the most plain name in the entire world. So I, I, was, okay, like, yeah, I, I like to give a little lead in. I can understand. <laughs> but we're excited today for another episode. We've got another guest on the show, and we're very excited to have him here. So please help us welcome to the Five Star Jobbers podcast, Mr. Bill Weaver. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, Pleasure doing it. Uh, I haven't done too many of these, so you know I, I enjoy talking about wrestling. Enjoy talking about the Lord. So let's have at it. Well, hey, we're here to have fun. We're here to have a great conversation. So we're just going to let loose, and whatever happens, happens. Absolutely. So one of the things, well, kind of introduce yourself to the people because not a lot of people really know about wrestling that listen to our podcast, or maybe this is their first time in getting involved in wrestling. So. If you want to just introduce yourself and just talk about a little bit about where you've come from and uh, what you've got going on, so just take well, it away. Uh, my, my real name is Bill Weaver. Right. Um, I chose to use that uh, when I first got started. Um, I started with uh, WWE. So it's it's kind of interesting. I had my third match in a WWE ring. Really? Right. That's fantastic. Most, uh, my Sharon... When and I uh, was with uh, I was just this, about to say this was in 1993. Okay, okay so um, during the the new era, right? This was in '93, and uh, I was training over at Malenko School down in Tampa. Okay, okay. great Malenko. So Boris Dean, Malenko's and school. Dean Malenko. Yep, he was still alive. Boris was there. He mm-hmm. he uh, hollered and growled outside the ring a lot. <laughs> uh, I never was able I mean, to get in the ring with him. I mean, it's such a sweet disposition him. of a family. I mean, you... oh yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're always. I mean, Dean's always smiling, right? Exactly. He's always smiling. They say he's got uh, an awesome uh, humor backstage. I yeah. mean, we never got to see him that much. He was in Japan a lot, mm-hmm. um, and it was ran by you know some of his trainers and everything. Yeah. But when he did get there, he'd get up in the ring with us. I think I probably got in the ring with him once or twice and everything. But wow. I had pretty much gotten done with my training. And Dean happened to be there at the school and Jimmy Del Rey. I don't know if you guys remember that name, J- Jiggling Jimmy Del Rey. Yeah, Jiggalo. Um, he gave a call <laughs> over there and asked if Dean had any students that were ready to go up to the WWE to work with their superstars. So next thing I know, a week or so later, I'm getting on an airplane and flying to Houston, Texas. Wow. I didn't get to work that first night. I don't know what happened then, but then we got in the car the next morning, drove down to Corpus Christi, and uh, was able to work that night. Um, It's funny. I mean, I guess after 30 years, I don't remember who it was I worked. (laughs) I I do know you mentioned Mantar a while ago. I worked Mantar. It might have been Mantar that first night. Um, and I've worked Dan Spivey when he was doing the Whale and Mercy gimmick and yeah. Booker T. Um, wow. And, uh, you know, it was it was just awesome being back there. I can Rubbing imagine. elbows with people that I saw on TV every day. You know, yeah, that had been amazing. Just marking out. For just, real. Just yeah. like a, a, you know, just a huge fan of, of all these guys. Because I'd only been in the business by that time, maybe six, seven months. Had one other, two other matches there locally in Tampa. 
and uh, here I am, you know, up there with the WWE. So I spent the next couple years traveling around with them, taking vacation from my regular job, and going and, and wrestling with them, you know, staying gone for a week, making that money and making vacation money from my regular job. So right. my wife was all happy with, with that kind of money coming in. Oh, I bet. But uh, then my regular job took me to Melbourne, Florida, so I was no longer in the Tampa area, so mm -hmm. I didn't have the access to uh, working as much, and I didn't have the contacts or anything. I could have stayed on top of it and kept going up there and everything, but when I got over to Melbourne, I started running my own stuff, so it was, uh, you know, that kept me pretty busy. I bet. Yeah. So you kind of talked a little bit about how you got going through WWE. Uh, what got you inspired to start going into wrestling? What was the driving factor that made you say, I want to be a professional wrestler? I've been a fan since I was probably six or seven years old, watching 605 Saturday Night, Dusty Rhodes, Ric yeah. Flair, Buzz Sawyer, Tommy Rich, all them guys, watching them on TV and everything. So were you, a, you were a Florida Championship Wrestling? Florida, Georgia Championship Florida and Jim Wrestling. Florida Crockett and Georgia Championship? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So definitely that before the, you know, Titan Entertainment, WWF right. or WWF. We never got it down there. Yeah, it was never, it's never down here in the South right. until syndication in the 80s. Correct. So. And I really, I mean, it was a bunch of gimmicks on, and mm -hmm. everything. So I really wasn't into that. The, the Southern Wrestling, the Florida Championship Wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling, really resonated with me because, I mean, it was, they were real. Mm -hmm. You know, it was real, real people that, you know, had, you know, some of them came from regular jobs and everything, and now they just started working out and getting in the ring and learning how to wrestle, and, you know, we could relate to them. The son of a plumber, Dusty mm -hmm. Rhodes, mm -hmm. so, I mean, he told us that every week. Um, but... Yeah, I, we didn't have cable, so I had to go across the street to my friend's house to watch it, and we couldn't <laughs> wait, and uh, I'd always get there early, and Lawrence Welk would be on for five minutes before we got ready to start, and I'd have to wait for it to get over, and I was couldn't wait for it to start, and then right. two hours later, it was done, and I was like, man, can't wait until next Saturday night and everything. That's awesome. So uh, that's that's what did it, and I just, uh, I always worked out, so I, when I moved to Tampa, uh, it was like, I'm bigger than most of these guys that are getting in the ring out there. I can do this. So right. the referee there in town said, hey, why don't you go over there and talk to Malenko and you know join up with them. Six months later, I'm in the ring. What was that like going into a professional wrestling training? Um, most people say those are pretty intense. grueling, pretty intense. Uh, what was your experience? Well, um, I had a lot of trainers come through there. Um, I trained with uh, Rico Federico, and uh, Dean was there a little bit, and Johnny, another another guy named John, he helped train us and everything. They didn't really get into the calisthenics and the cardio and stuff like that. That was kind of left up on our own and everything, but they taught us all the the basic moves and everything and how to, how to take the falls and stuff like that. Um, and then we just hook up with somebody else and learn specifics and stuff, diff more holes and, and things like that. And uh, that's what prepared me to be able to go because I had so much knowledge of you know all the basics and everything to jump in the ring with some of the superstars at the WWE because I could pretty much do anything they asked me to do and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, and then when we got to Melbourne, <laughs> 
I had to start my own stuff because I didn't really have anything to do over there. So we started Coastal Championship Wrestling, ran that for about six or seven years, brought everybody from Tampa that I knew over there over to Melbourne to work on our shows and everything. So we uh, that was fun. We got a few sponsors, got everything paid for, so had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, long story short, moved to Tallahassee and pretty much got out of the business mm-hmm. and, uh, until right uh, probably 10 years ago and then somebody dragged me back in and we traveled around the southeast wrestling each other and uh, beating on each other so that was kind of fun and everything and uh, then I retired from my regular job and moved to Panama City and started up again so my son could uh, promote and be a booker and then going from that you talk about becoming a booker you are the almost get this right are you the promoter and owner of promoter and owner okay myself so, and my wife right uh, just want to make sure i got that right so you were the owner and promoter of freedom force wrestling in panama city so what made you want to start your own promotion in the panama city area um because my son he wanted to get back into it because he had he had grown up with us at in coastal championship wrestling down in melbourne and everything and uh so we i mean it just kind of happened right um, my wife will tell you that it's probably not the greatest decisions we made and everything, but uh, <laughs> we're having fun. I mean, we're not we're we're not making a killing, but we're having fun. We're providing a good, clean working atmosphere, and we're faith based, so we're able to share during intermission. And uh, our ring announcer is very uh, adamant about, you know, giving the house rules and letting them know, say, hey, you know, that three-year-old standing there beside of you is going to repeat whatever you say. Mm-hmm. So let's keep, right. let's keep it clean. Let's, you know, no gyrations, no finger, you know, um, mm-hmm. actions and everything. So, I mean, we're really having fun. And there's a lot of obstacles and there's a lot of uh, uh fun that we're having right and speaking of obstacles i know john i know you had a question about like being a faith-based company i know there's certain obstacles and stuff like that uh so i think it's absolutely fantastic what you what you're doing and it's i don't think that there's a whole lot of promotions you know i think there's probably a lot of promoters who would call themselves men of faith but to have a a faith-based promotion that you can truly see is is not just a you know a company to make money and to you know promote wrestling but also to promote the gospel the gospel yes you know how 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 do you guys um you know how how do you set that up and and, you know what are some of this you know obviously there's some struggles that you probably come into and you know that probably uh, you know that it, it opens up opportunities for you to do great work but i'm sure that uh you know trying to to book certain uh, professionals and, and things like that. There's, there's probably uh, some, some hardships, some obstacles, some opportunities that you are faced with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, what, what, is, what does it look like uh, running a faith-based wrestling promotion, and especially today's modern era with the culture as it is? It's, it's very difficult because everything that everybody sees on TV is, for the lack of a better explanation, the furthest from what we're trying mm-hmm. to do. Um, and that's what's on TV. That's what the kids are seeing. That's what the adults are seeing and everything. That's what they expect. So uh, 
I think my biggest mindset that I struggle with the most is it's not about the numbers, even though we want to make sure everything's paid for. It's just like, you know, running your household and everything. You want to pay the bills and everything. And we have a lot of bills. We have to pay the talent. We have to, you know, pay for everything that makes the show happen. But my biggest struggle and what I have to keep reminding myself and I've surrounded my guys with myself with men of God that keep reminding me that, um, our goal is not to pack the place out. Our goal is to present the gospel to that one person that needs to hear it. Absolutely. And nobody can understand that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can't even wrap my head around it. <laughs> Why are you running a show in a building that will hold five, six, seven hundred people? You're paying out all these this money to these wrestlers. And... But... You're, you're doing it for one person. Mm-hmm. You know, I want, I want them to hear the gospel. But, you know, like we've always said, you know, it's, it's for an audience of one. We want, we want to honor God, and uh, we honor our families, and we honor the flag. So uh, it's a struggle. We, first, we have to determine who we're going to bring in mm-hmm. because we can't just bring in any wrestler because they'll go out there and totally go against you know, maybe not on purpose, but mm-hmm. just because that's who their character is. It's, that's what they're they so used do. to their character. They do it 300, 300 plus days a year. Yes. It's kind of hard to turn that autopilot off. It is. And, and we tell them, I mean, when we first started, I mean, we had wrestlers coming in there with coolers full of beer and we're like, guys, it's just not going to happen. You're mm-hmm. going to take it back to your truck. If you cannot come to an event for two, two and a half hours and not drink your beer or not, you know, smoke whatever you've got Mm -hmm. or something like that, then we're not going to be able to use you. And it's been very, very cool watching even the locker room change and into a 180 degrees. They don't, we don't hear any cursing because I've asked them, I'm like in front of the curtain and behind the curtain. I don't want to hear the cursing. I don't want to, you know, but uh, because there's, there's really... Not a whole lot of faith-based Christian wrestlers out there. No, so I we have to if we want to get the talent to come in. You know, we just have to. But that's what's good about you know being able to present the gospel and mm-hmm. live the example in front of them that we've tried to live for a year and a half to these same people. Right. They come in, and now as soon as I mean, because I'll walk into the room and and I'll hear them and they'll be you know saying something and they're like, oh my god. Sorry about that, Bill. I didn't mean. I didn't mean it. So just, you know, that wouldn't happen in their normal everyday mm-hmm. life. But just because you know I've lived it out in front of them, and I don't do that, you know, I'm. That's you know what we expect of them, and they know if they want to work on a show that that's running on a month to month basis and come there and make good money, that they're gonna have to abide by the rules, mm-hmm. and uh, who knows? Maybe the Lord will change some hearts inside behind the curtain back there and uh, just, you know, just blow our mind. That's right. That's what I'm looking for. It definitely sounds like you're doing the Lord's work and it's saying obviously it has an immediate impact on the talent Mm -hmm. based on the way that it sounds like you're running your business. And then, uh, of course, it's also having an impact on the audience and the people who are coming in and, you know, know, once again, a a family-friendly product Mm -hmm. that families can bring you know, their, their children in to see professional wrestling and not necessarily worry about, 
you know, saying something that they're going to have to explain when they Later. on the way home. <laughs> exactly. And we do. We have so much fun. My ring announcer, you, you, you oh yeah, Skip him. is Skip fantastic. is awesome. I mean, he he keeps them laughing. He even on his own created this crowd award yeah. for the loudest fan that screams and hollers and you know, and he'll award it at the end of the night. It's a big medallion like this right here with a. <laughs> gold chain and everything it's like so, flavor flay exactly <laughs> <laughs> and you know we he'll he'll spend you know five or ten minutes asking everybody about their birthdays and then we'll sing happy birthday to them and then you know we'll we'll pray over them and we've got the local rotc from one of the high schools coming in and doing mm-hmm. colors that's and great we, you know uh, honor all the first responders in the military. We let them in free. All of them, they get in free alone with their families and everything. Um, that's another decision that my wife is, uh, you know, talking to me about all the time. But she's like, we had 50 military and first responders come through the door. To I'm like, that's great. <laughs> no, that's 50 <laughs> tickets that we didn't sell. <laughs> but, you know, it's... It's grace. The Lord is going to bless. Absolutely. I really oh, think yeah. he's going to bless it. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's tough. You but... plant good seed, you're going to reap good produce. So I, I, it definitely sounds like you guys are doing a, a fantastic job of setting, you know, setting a really great example in a community where, let's say, there's probably not a whole lot of guaranteed family-friendly events in and around the Panama City area. Exactly. So, you know, if you're in the Panama City area and you're looking for something to do with your family that's going to be entertaining, that's going to be uplifting, and that you're not going to have to apologize to your wife for, right? Uh, free, Freedom Force Wrestling, Panama City. I mean, I can vouch personally because I've been to a couple of events myself. I went to the uh, the December event, and then I came to... Was that a tribute to the troops? Was that... No, I think it was It was the one last year where it was okay. uh, where, we, where y'all were doing a fundraiser or uh, donation for toys. Oh, Yes. I can't remember Stuff what the name the was. Bus. Stuff the bus. That's what right. I, I knew. Oh, that something. What was it? Rush for the bus. Yeah, rush That's for the what bus. It was. Yeah, yes. I was there for rush for the bus. I was there for I think it was the one in February or sometime around there. But got the opportunity to work with guys like uh, James the Gator Grimm. Right. Uh, got to meet. Uh, uh, got to meet. We brought Tony in that show, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. And you got to talk with him, and yep. he got to share with you and everything. Yep. I mean, just a great group of guys wonderful uh, people all around. So I can personally vouch that these guys are doing a fantastic job. They love the Lord and they're very passionate about what they do, whether it's professional wrestling or their faith. And so I have so much respect for Bill and for what all they're doing at Freedom Force Wrestling. And so kind of weaving off of uh, that, for some of the people that listen to our podcast that don't really know a whole lot about professional wrestling, and maybe this is their first time getting to hear from a promoter's viewpoint, what does a typical day look like or what does a typical week look like leading up to an event? Like what goes on during the day for a wrestling promoter? I tell you, um, my show, my job starts as soon as the last show is over. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, we're putting the ring back in the trailer and getting the sound back in there, helping Skip and them put the concession stuff away and everything. And then on Sunday, 
we go and pick up all the banners and stuff that we had out, the signs and everything, pick them all up and everything. And then usually I'll wait about two or three days before I just start blasting, you know, advertisement for the next show. Mm -hmm. By then, my son Kyle, who makes all the posters and everything, he's already got it lined up so I can start posting all over Facebook and and Twitter or wherever else I'm going to do it. Um, we have, you know, banners and posters that we put out all over town, me and my son. It's really, you know, small. There's We don't have, like, a whole street team or something. It's, mm -hmm. it's just myself and my son and my wife, and we'll ride around four, five, six times and just hang posters up in convenience stores and right. stuff. So you say you start pro you start promoting a couple of days after the, the last event. So do you typically have the full card already booked for the event? Or, he okay, knows. So it's not usually like a fifty percent card, and then you're, no. you know, continuing to to grow it over the the, the coming. He knows weeks. what he's gonna do six months from now. Okay, wow. And and he'll back up like this, you know, to get to that point. Like he'll say, six months from now, we're gonna have a big show, and he he wants to get there, so he'll do stuff to lead up to that big show. Um, he'll already have. He's probably already got, you know, especially all of our champions. He's already got them. You know, basically agreed, you know, we run on the first Saturday of each month mm -hmm. and they know, you know, keep your calendar clean. It's yeah. that's the day that we're going to have you there. Um, they may not know what they're going to do or necessarily who they're going to work, but Kyle does, my son. He has all that. And uh, just like any business, I mean, people get sick, people get yeah. hurt. Um, so he has, he's real good about, you know, he wasn't at the beginning when we started a year and a half ago. He would get flustered and say, well, this guy called out. He's not going to be there. What do I do? And I'm like, you're my booker. You that's, need to figure it out. That's fantastic. Right. And it's such an interesting thing to hear because you hear about so many promotions where, I mean, they might advertise a card, but everything is, you know, subject to change. Oh, right. And, you know, so many promotions, you know, the actual card, what's going to be, may not be finalized till hours before the event. Or they might be, they might be booking on, on cue. But so to, to have that so consistency, blessed. that's fantastic. Yeah. Do you, um, are most of your talents uh, local or regional? Um, or you got guys coming in from all over the place? Most of our people, we don't use a lot of regional or local people. Mm -hmm. Not that we don't want to or anything like that. Um, the main reason for that is, you know, there's several other promotions around there that all the local people mm -hmm. work on there. So we wanted something a little bit different. There's a lot of, excuse me, talented wrestlers in that area over there in Tallahassee and, you know, Mobile, Pensacola and everything. I mean, I think we know of a pretty popular wrestler who came out of Panama City. I think so. Bay Bay. Bay Bay. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story with him? Is he going to be able to keep working? So he's back, he's, he's back. He's back at AEW, now. and uh, I think they've got him. Uh, they've got him in a, in a program with Chris Jericho at the oh, moment. Wow! Yes. And my guess is uh, when that that program's over, they'll probably have him on a crash course with MJF. So more than likely. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say that we'll probably see Adam Cole as the world champion before the end of. If not the end of 2023, the beginning of 2024, we'll see him as the champion. They got so much talent up there. Oh, man. It is insane. Just signing it's, uh, everybody. Yeah. And now I'm hearing about another show they're going to have on Saturday or something. The CM Punk show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> yes. The we can't put CM Punk with the elite, so we're going to put him on a different, <laughs> a different show, show entirely. Yeah. 
and then they got ROH, so they've I mean, got all yeah, this Tony Khan's talent. done an amazing thing of not only accumulating talent, but accumulating promotions. Exactly. Did you hear the, they're going to try to go and sell out Wimberley? Yep, yep. All, all in. in. It's, it's going to be in. Wimberley. They're calling it another all in, and it's going to be at Wimberley. And, uh, you know, if they keep on track the way that they've been doing things, especially the last couple of weeks with their shows and with creative I have no doubt there, whatsoever no that they will sell that out. Right. Uh, you asked me about five or six months ago. I would have said, eh, yeah, not, probably, not yeah. too likely. But, but. Uh, things are really starting to edge out for them. A lot of the pains, and that's the interesting. You know, talking to you, you know, we as as, as fans, uh, and I don't use the word mark as a negative term. I'm I'm no, proud no. to say I'm a uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'm a I'll mark for, I'm mark for life. Um, we you know we watch this, but we never really know what the true backstage, like what the promoters dealing with, and you know how much of it is dirt sheets versus how much of it's the truth. So this is just a very interesting conversation to talk to someone who actually is you know in the business and is working with talent and things like that. So um, you know if uh, if you could, I mean, uh, if you've got any, do you have any uh, interesting stories? That you can share. I mean, I'm a professional wrestler. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm. I'm asking too hard of a question. But uh, if you've got anything interesting that you could share, we, we'd love to hear a tale from the Indies. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of uh, tales from the Indies. Um, when I was going up and working with WWE, I had uh, probably one of the most special moments that I had working with WWE. Scott Hall. Had, had just come back from having his little girl Crystal and he was just gushing <laughs> and if you can if you know who Scott Hall is um, you know Razor Ramon oh yeah he he's this tough guy mm-hmm. but he was just gushing he couldn't say enough about this little baby that he just had his wife just had wow and so that was so neat walking around back there and and and, and this would have been his first You're saying, that would probably that would have been his be first his time first. before cody was born right probably yes yeah so he was the first time papa proud he papa was, he was so proud he was just <laughs> gushing back there just sharing with all of us and that's what was so strange to me going up there and working for them i was i was like an equal you know, now that I look back on it, you know, they treated me good because, you know, I was going out there putting my body on the line to make them look good. You know, go out there, work with them, let them, you know, toss me around. You know, I get a little bit of offense and everything, but, you know, mainly to, to make them look good. You know, right. I realized real quick, like, I'm not six foot five, I'm not 325, I'm not going to be, you know, this big, huge superstar. But now we we have all these smaller ones that have come mm-hmm. up now, the Rey Mysterios, even the Chris Jericho's, the smaller ones now that, you know, have have made it. Um when you look at Adam Adam Cole. Adam Cole, Adam Cole. Adam Cole, I mean he might be he might be five, two eight, five ten. Five eight, maybe. five ten. I mean, I mean he's probably two twenty soaking wet. Right. Like, I mean Look at Ricky Starks. Ricky Star yeah, Ricky, Ricky Starks. Starks. I mean, yeah, another guy who I mean, they might bill him over two ten or two fifteen, but we know that yeah, that's not. I was just Darby's about to say, not Darby, even, Darby reminds me of uh, of like Jeff in '96. Like, I mean, at most 160, 170 pounds. Right. He's a nutball. I mean, I saw him on the Indies before he got there, and he was putting his body on the line. I think he, I think he knows with his size, he's got to have something that makes him, you know, believable as a, you know, it's, you know, you've got some wrestlers who 
like with Adam Cole, the, the size thing is not what it was, mm-hmm. especially back in the 80s and the 90s. I remember being a kid and I, you know, fifth grade, my, my fifth grade yearbook, if anybody can find one, uh, it still says that uh, when I grew up, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And, and everybody would, you know, laugh me at the building because at the time, and I was a shrimpy kid, um, you know, I didn't break, I didn't break a hundred pounds until I was in seventh grade. Right. I caught up real quick, you know, <laughs> fast study. But, uh, you know, and I, I was one of those shrimpy kids and I remember people saying, oh, you, you could never be a professional wrestler. You'll, you know, if you're not six foot five, you're not, you know, uh, you know, 250, 200 plus pounds, but you know, you had Sean and Brett and this, in the new era and the attitude era, these, 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 you know, Attitude Era saw, you know, with the influence of ECW, you saw the Lucha Libre styles mm-hmm. and Japanese Strong style coming in, and you could be a smaller guy if you could hit hard or fly or, you know, be very charismatic. Right. And, but now, yeah, now you see guys like you know, Ricky Starks, Darby Allen. You would never have seen them 20 years ago in professional wrestling. I mean, if you saw them, they would have been enhancement talents. That's it. Right. Um, but you know they. Who are some of the bigger guys with AEW? Maybe a Lance Archer. Lance got, Archer. I mean, I mean, what's uh, funny is you got Lance Archer, and I would say he's a he's a you know we call that a monster jobber, right? You know, like he's a big guy, but he's a big guy who definitely loses more than he wins to make the other talents look that much more impressive, right? I mean, I would say like you got Wardlow, Wardlow, um, Powerhouse Hobbs. Hobbs, Powerhouse Hobbs, Cage. Cage. Right. Cage. And Cage that I mean he's not that tall. He's, Cage isn't no, that he's tall, but good lord, that guy is monster. He Jeez. is absolute beast of a human being. Yeah. I mean it, I mean, it blows to... my mind that how Brian Cage didn't get swooped. I mean, he looks like he's Vince McMahon's like what Vince McMahon goes to sleep and dreams about. Yes. You know? <laughs> like I it just it surprises me how that Cage has never had that run in in WWE. Um and I'd like to see him do more in AEW. I think he's a fantastic talent. Mm-hmm. He and will. At from some everything point. I've heard, you know, from all around the place, he sounds like a really fantastic human being too. Right. Um, student under Chris Canyon mm-hmm. um, placed a lot of importance on just being a, a good, being a good person, and uh, you know, putting people before promotion. Right. So. You bring up Chris Canyon. That's interesting. We had a, a little tale out of. Coastal Championship Wrestling, there was a, a little-known wrestler that uh, made it pretty big in the uh, WWE, Jamie Noble. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. He worked for us at Coastal Championship Wrestling. Oh, that's this, awesome. This kid came down from West Virginia. Yeah. I remember, because I, I was running Coastal, he would call me up on the phone. Hey, Bill, I'm, this is this is Jamie Howard. That was his real name. This is Jamie Howard. I'm, I'm I'm a professional wrestler, and he'd talk a hundred miles an hour, you know, two weeks straight every day. And I'm like, okay, okay. So we had a car show. We had this big monster of a, a wrestler and everything. So we brought him out there. It's one of those deals. I'm sure you you guys you've been watching wrestling long enough. You've seen it where they just go out in the ring and say anybody in the building. Can, yep. Yeah. You know, so here comes Jamie jumping over the top rope and everything. So he goes in there, does a few little things, and and does a crossbody or moonsault or something. I mean, you, you know how. Jamie's not big at all. No. So he he started working with us, and he worked on the rest of our shows until we shut down like six or seven years later. But they took all of our footage. We had a guy that was filming it, worked at a a local radio or TV station, was filming all our stuff and putting it on. We had a little access TV on a 
Mexican channel out of Orlando that we were were using. So they took all this footage and put it all together and sent it to w, WCW and actually got jobs. Jamie mm-hmm. and Jet Jaguar and uh, Jeremy Lopez. Mm-hmm. And w- you brought up Chris Canyon. They actually moved to Atlanta and lived with Chris while they were working with WCW. So that was interesting. I, I heard that. I hadn't heard Chris's name in a long time. You know? <laughs> But uh, he was a, a lot of people respected Chris. He was he was a big guy, but he was you know that person that you know had somewhat of a name that could make everybody mm-hmm. else look good and everything. There's nothing that Chris couldn't do and everything. So. Wow. Well, Bill, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. It has been an absolute honor to have you on here. I know you've got an upcoming event coming up this Saturday, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Actually, it's May six. And Freedom Force Wrestling runs the first Saturday of every month. We want to try to, you know, let the people know that every first Saturday, Freedom Force is going to be running. And the Lord has blessed us with two high schools, Rutherford. We ran there for about six or seven months. And then they, their, their kids got busy in the gym, so they needed their gym. So the Lord just opened up another door, and we moved right over to Rosenwall High School, which they don't have sports. They Kids go to that school, and they play sports for another another school because they're a smaller school. They right. just don't have organized sports, but they got this big, huge gymnasium. So the Lord opened that door up. We come in there, and we do a fundraiser for them, pay them, you know, basically for their rent and everything, and we you know, help out the ROTC because they come help us. They stay, they come early and stay late. The ROTC does help us set up our ring and everything. So that's, they're some of the loudest kids in the, uh, in the whole building because they great. love wrestling. That's so cool. Um, but yeah, May 6th, they're at Rosenwall High School. It's a fundraiser for them. $3 for every ticket goes to the school. And, uh, of course, you know, we got Stuff to Bus is one of our sponsors. They do all of our concessions and everything. They take all of that. And then in December, like you were talking about a while ago, they start collecting toys. And Skip gets up on the school bus for 10, 10 days collecting toys for kids right. in Panama City. So that's awesome. The Lord has just blessed Freedom Force with so many uh, great men of God that surround me and, and keep me on my toes and uh, loving me and, and, and praying for me and calling me throughout the week and everything. So I know this is a wrestling podcast and everything, but, you know, I just want to, you know, give the... I think if we're anything food. first, we're, we're men of faith before exactly. anything else. And if Absolutely. we can't talk about Jesus, then why are we here? That's exactly. It. Yeah. And that's that's the, one of the hardest things in, in this. Everybody keeps saying, you know, what what about this Jesus gimmick? You're just using this as a gimmick. Well, we've been running for almost two years now. I can't, I can't imagine that it's a gimmick that no. makes life easy as a promoter. Absolutely. Because exactly. yeah, I don't think there's a lot of uh, talent who, when you say, when you come in here, you're going to be clean, you're going to be well-behaved. I, I, there's probably plenty of talent that you've uh, had say, give you the, the five fingers and said, you know, toodaloo. Yeah. yeah. Because so. they just don't want to have to keep their, you know, mouth in check or, you know, their, their you know, actions in check. Because they're, they're so used to it. And our world has allowed us to see this on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You can't hardly turn the TV on and not see wrestling, you know, every day of the week and see all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And right. using the bad language, using the bad gyrations or, you know, whatever. So yeah, we even, just want to present something think, different. You know, the main ones have... have have cleaned it up significantly oh, yeah. you know, from, from where it was. Like I remember when 
I, I grew up in the Degeneration X era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, for one of the first times I got sent to the principal's office is doing a DX cross. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, being older now and, you know, having kids of my own, um, is there some part of the product that I, I you know, I feel like, you know, we, I, there's a part that you can miss? Yeah. But, you know, with good writing and good creative, you don't you don't need to go to the lowest common denominator to, you know, to get something over or to compel the fans. And the sign still says pro wrestling. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't have to do all that other stuff. Yep. We, we, we can entertain in a manner that is God-honoring and family-honoring mm-hmm. and flag-honoring. And that's what we do every single month. Yeah, it's a, Do it's, we lose fans? Do we lose talent? Absolutely. But the Lord will open up another door and bring more. Exactly Amen. right. So what's the headline for, for May 6th event? We got a six-man bulldog brawl. Do you remember the old bunkhouse brawls? I remember a bunkhouse yeah. brawl. Yes. Come as you are, dressed in yep. your blue jeans. Your I remember, cowboy I remember boots. Dusty in the jeans Dusty. and the and the and the wife beater. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we got. We got we got uh, the champions, the tag team champions on one end, the uh, hardcore dealers, and then the former champion Aaron James all on one side, the bad guys, and then we got. The Heavenly Butterflies, you would love them. They oh, yeah. come out there. They, they are the, they're amazing. flamboyant. Oh, so they look a little bit like the boys, huh? The boys. Kind of from uh, Dalton exactly. Castle. Like yeah. Dalton yeah. Castle. Exactly. The boys, yeah. yeah. So, and, but um, they got a tag team partner coming in that nobody knows who it is. Oh, everything. so we've got a, we we got have a, a special. We have you can a only surprise. find out if you're there. That's it. Well, on I can May tell you 6th. one thing. I will definitely be there May 6th. I think John is going to try. I'm going to do my darndest to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. We, Good deal. You know, if, is, the, is the 7th Mother's Day? No. Or is the following weekend? The following weekend. All right. So it's not Mother's Day. There's no reason to miss it. You've got to be there. Exactly. Nothing else is going on. That's right. Freedom Force Wrestling, Panama City, Rosenwald High School. Absolutely. May 6th. May 6th. Well, we Bill, can't wait. I, I can't wait to be there. Well, Bill, like I said, thank you so much for being on the show. We look forward to having you in the future, and we look forward to going to Freedom Force this weekend. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, guys. 